You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's a Thursday basketball-themed edition of Crunch Time here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion. Houston Astros, Matt Miguez here. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast at Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. <clears throat> Excuse me. My producer and co-host is the one and only Mr. James Mesh. James, happy Thursday, sir. How are you? We're hooping it up on a Thursday, we Matt. Are, we are hooping it up. We are. You know who didn't hoop it up last night? It's the New Orleans Pelicans. No, they were hooping. They just didn't hoop up enough. I sure, sure. I mean, uh, you shoot over fifty percent from the floor. CJ McCollum has a thirty-eight point night. To me, I th- that was overall good. You put up one fourteen. It was a solid night. It just wasn't enough to get the yeah, dub. But you're eight and twelve on the road. You're eight and twelve on the road. That is not good. Pelicans falling to Boston 125 to 114 behind a combined 72 from Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Brown scoring a season high 41. Tatum pouring in with 31 of his own. CJ McCollum leading the Pelicans with 38. Uh, another solid night from the shooting guard. Another good night from Najee. Another good Conti- night from Najee. Continues to produce. Last night's game showed you just how much the Pelicans are missing Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. Yeah, over time, even if you have good depth, we talked about it, how you can have good depth and like that can mask not having your superstars for a little while. But the longer it happens, the, when, the more that it becomes exposed. When you are so injury-ridden that a couple of players that I like for the Pelicans' future, but not so much like for the Pelicans' present, get playing time. Darion Sebrin? Yeah, like... why are, Kira, Kira Lewis Jr.? Kyra played... Here and there before, but you don't really play them, and they had both got three minutes. I mean, three minutes is not a lot, but the fact that they saw the floor and it is concerning. Unless it was a blowout win, but and we then, don't we don't usually see too too many big blowout wins by and the then Pelicans. Where where was Willie? Where where was Willie Hernan Gomez? He's been playing well off the bench for the Pels. Where where why didn't he play? That's an interesting interesting concept. Jonas Valanciunas only playing 23 minutes. He only had four rebounds. That's not JV-like at all. And then I'll, I'll, I'll say this, you know, talking about Dyson Daniels the other day, I said that, you know, he might have under, been underwhelming a little bit. Underwhelming as a scorer, um, but his defense and his ability to see the floor has been impressive. 
He started last night, James. Played 25 minutes for the Pels last night. Going three of six from the field uh, with five rebounds, three assists, and seven points. Again, you know, the Pelicans didn't play poorly, but uh, again, you know, you you get out-rebounded 50-33? to When you're getting beat on the boards and you're playing solid basketball, but your opponent is one of the best teams in the league, that's not going to get it done. And not just beat on the boards. You got owned on the boards, fifty to thirty-three. And, and you you look at it, the Celtics had eleven offensive rebounds. Eleven. That's no bueno. That's pa ball. That's every, every term for bad that that you want to 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 use. Now I will commend the Pelicans on only having nine turnovers. That's solid. Look, if you can keep it under 10, you're doing all right. That's not bad. You got to get better at the free throw line. I mean, 13 of 17 as a team sounds really good, but still think four misses is is too many. It's you in the rim. I mean, free throws, it's got to be the easiest shot in basketball. I mean, other than a wide open breakaway layup, it's the easiest shot. No, in that's basketball. the hardest shot in basketball. Is it <laughs> wide open fast break layups? Is it? How many have you smoked? I mean, a few. Okay. <laughs> you think it's so easy, and you're like, oh, perfect, and then you lose focus. And you're like, oh my god, I bricked. Shouldn't be that hard. It shouldn't be, but somehow it always comes in the back of your mind, like, oh, and please then, don't smoke it. Please don't smoke it. Oh, I missed. And then here's the thing: if you're gonna shoot thirty three pointers. Gonna need you to make at least a ten, few, a few more than eleven. I'd like you to make a few more than that. I'm not asking for fifty percent. You could have made two more of those. Go thirteen to 40 percent as a team. That that would be more comfortable for me. Then you only lose by five. I mean, well, <laughs> but the thing is, is depending on where they come, yeah, you could have changed the momentum. It could have changed momentum depending on when it was in the game. Yeah. So, you know, th- little things like that can make a big difference in a basketball game. Uh, it's just, it's tough when half of your three-pointers come from McCollum. Correct. And then you have others that went over. But, but two, look, two of them being your supposed sharpshooter guards in Jose Alvarado and Devontae Graham. Look, I'm being picky. Pelicans are still 25-17. and 17. They are still... Very much competitive in the West. They're still third in the West. Like, I, I'm, I'm being nitpicky. Uh, about the Pelicans right now. And that's a good thing. If you're having to nitpick on certain things... <laughs> means they're playing well. And you're saying, well, I'd rather a couple more three-pointers made. To me, you're that means you're playing good basketball. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Uh, you, you look at the, the West right now, Denver and Memphis tied for the lead at, eight, at 28 and 13. Man, both teams are terrible on the road. 10 and 10. Both of them, 10 and 10 on the road. But they're both eighteen and three in their own home arenas, so I mean you can't complain too much with that. Pelicans sitting at seventeen and five inside the Smoothie King Center. Their next game will take place tomorrow against the Detroit Pistons in Detroit. James, I gotta think the Pelicans win that one, right? I mean the the Pistons don't have Cade Cunningham. 
Not to mention they're 12 and 33. Uh, I mean, Bojan Bogdanovic is having a pretty good year, averaging 21 points a game. But your, your next closest guy that you're depending on is, is Jay Nivey and, you know, Isaiah Stewart and Marvin Bagley, who is, is still in the league somehow. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's just. Like it, the Pel- the Pistons feel like a thrown together squad. Just the island of misfit toys. They just have will. players, right? Like Cade Cunningham, gonna be great in the league. Jay Nivey, gonna be great in the league. Already being great in the league, averaging fifteen points a game. But there's no cohesion. There's no chemistry. It, it, some it, it's off. And then you ready? You ready for a name that you probably forgot that he was still in the league? Nerlens Noel. I remember Nerlens. Nerlens Noel. He's only played in eleven games this season. I for, remember. I remember when Celtics fans were talking about getting him as a backup center. I remember when the Pelicans drafted him. I, I mean, I remember and that too. Immediately traded him to the Mavs. Correct. Right? I think it was to the Mavs. And I'd say, I said, I remember saying, "What are you doing?" He could help. We like him. He was good at Kentucky. Oh, man. I remember being so mad about that trade. But it's it's one of those things where you look at the Pelicans, and like you said, James, if you're nitpicking, it's a good thing. They immediately traded him to uh, the Sixers. It was the Sixers. That's right. Because he started his first three year in Philly and spent and the then, next two in Dallas. He got traded to Dallas, and then he went to the Knicks. No, it was OKC, then the Knicks. OKC, then the Knicks. And, and now, now he's in Detroit. on the Pistons. Oh, man. But hey, you're Celtics? 30-12, and 12, bud. Oh, yeah. Leading the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. Hail and business. I mean, Kevin Durant's coming for you, though. Just kidding. No, he's, he's not. He, he's on the bench for the next six weeks. I mean, God. Just when the Nets start getting good, they they, they fall apart. The, the, that's what the Knights get for being the, the Nets. The, the basketball gods just don't like the Brooklyn Nets. It's fine. And that's totally fine with me. It's fine. On today's show, we're going to talk the Walker Howard news and how it could affect LSU. We're going to talk what the Saints are going to do at quarterback. Maybe maybe Walker Howard can make the jump. <laughs> Who knows? And speaking of that, it's our poll question of the day. It is. What? what who is playing quarterback who would, for, who who would you, you who, like to see? Who would you rather see at play quarterback? quarterback for the Saints in 2023? Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, Andy Dalton, or, or somebody else? Other. I mean, I, I right I, now it's tied between Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo. I know which one I don't want. At 40 percent each, Andy Dalton's got a big old fat zip of votes. Looking at the Facebook comments. Uh, Aaron says Jimmy G. Mike tr- Mike says Stetson Bennett. Go ahead and start over. Eric says Aaron Rodgers. Kyle says Aaron Rodgers. And then Doug says Arch Manning. Which perplexed me. I'm so confused. I've been trying to figure that out since I saw the comment. Like, please, Doug, can you explain that one? Now, look. Please. If like, this was I'm, two, I'm struggling if this was to figure that one out. If this was 2003 NBA... 
Sure. Sure. I guess. Could come right out of high school. It's fine. Figure it out. Gotta love a 19-year-old slinging footballs in the NFL. But he's got to go to college for three years. I was going to say, man, hadn't even stepped on college campus yet. Three years. Actually, he's, he's in he, Austin. He, he just started. Yeah, he, he is in Austin. Dude, um, just, dude just start classes. Yeah, he, he's got to go, gotta take three years of classes in order to Dude's be going through a week of college, and all of a sudden, I need he, you on the he, Saints. He, it's time. Come on. Come on. We'll, we'll bend the rules for you, Archie. We've seen enough. You're a Manning. And that, and that, You're an exception to the rule. That's it. That's it. I could be wrong. I think Arch is overrated. I haven't seen anything that's really impressed right. me about, about him. The reason that everybody buys into him so much is because of his last name. He's a Manic. And his uncles are two of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play. Well, one of them is. And then one of them is an, an above average quarterback. Probably a Hall of Famer. Um, which, and then, which is crazy. But what's even crazier is the fact that Arch's dad was supposed to be the best one out of all of them. Oh, Cooper. Coop was supposed to be the best one out of all of them. And now he's making jokes <laughs> well, on segments. Well, what is it? What is it? The Manning Minute? It, it's something. It's something like that. It's some yeah. goofy, and I some, I liked it. Some goofy name. Uh, at five o'clock, Jake Madison, host of Locked On Pelicans, is going to join us to talk all things New Orleans Pelicans again as they fell to the Celtics last night and prepare to take on the Pistons in Detroit tomorrow. Uh, looking at a couple of top stories, the owner of the Jets said he would pay money, big money, for a quarterback. Calls it, quote, the missing piece. James, is that all the Jets need? Well, they're going to need a new OC since they got rid of Michael is, Fleur. Is, is the quarterback really the missing piece? I... Do you, you like Garrett Wilson, huh? He's okay. He's good. What we saw as rookie, he was okay. He was good. He was one of the only two receivers to eclipse a thousand yards. He had a good the rookie other year. The Chris Olave. Yeah, he had a good rookie year. I really like Elijah Moore as a receiver. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He just he's had Zach Wilson as a quarterback, so yeah. it's it's kind of okay. Messed up his production. Um, you get a new OC. Uh, Corey Davis is an okay piece. I think having him as your number three is something that you can work with. You can always improve the tight end position, but the Jets never seem to really do that. Your running backs are still very unproven. Brees Hall, before he tore his ACL, was absolutely tearing it up. He was, but still a rookie. A rookie. So fairly unproven. And then Michael Carter, who's a solid running back himself. He's like okay. you gotta yeah. if you can get a good quarterback. I still think you need more than a quarterback, though. Well, there's not much you really need to touch on the defense. So you think that if the Jets get a new quarterback... I think if they get a new OC... And they're a, new, a Super Bowl contender. I think if they get a new OC and a new quarterback, I think they can improve by three or four wins. Which would put them at 10-11 wins next year. Interesting. He said, absolutely. We've got a cap, so there's an amount you can spend. But yeah, a quarterback's kind of the missing piece. Interesting. Anyways, if you can if you can improve on that O line a little bit more, and then maybe get another receiver. Oh, 
oh, it's scary. Oh, it, it's on in, in Jets time. Well, we'll, we'll see. There, there's, I was going to say, they first have to spend the money, and it depends on who it is. There, there, there's still a lot left to prove. I mean, don't get me wrong. I liked Garrett Wilson's rookie year. I liked what we, what you saw out of Brees Hall. Garrett Wilson's going to be their ex-number one receiver. I, I need I need more than one year before I can say that you know he, he's going to be a, a top receiver in the league. Elijah Moore, he's going to be your slot guy. It's just if you could find somebody else on, as a Y, as the kind of speed guy to stretch it a little bit more. Because Garrett, Garrett can do that himself, but having somebody to kind of do that as well, yep. you can work with that. Let's be honest, we tend to have a lot of fun here at the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, which is a Delta media station. If you are looking for a career change and have any type of sales experience, retail, telemarketing, everything in between, then Delta Media wants to hear from you. Email your resume to sales director, Jeanette Cochran at jcochran at deltamediacorp.com or by calling 896 1600. We'll take a timeout here on Crunch Time. And when we return, we'll switch over to the LSU Tigers. We'll talk Walker Howard and where they can kind of go from here. Plus, we'll preview LSU women's basketball taking on Missouri tonight in Columbia. We'll do that next here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 423 here on your Thursday edition of Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Yesterday, Walker Howard announced that he would be entering the transfer portal after just one year in Baton Rouge. Now the the question has kind of become, where next? Yeah, it was initially shocking for us, but kind of after having 24 hours to kind of sit on it, it really did make a lot of sense. I don't agree with it um, from, from, from Walker's point of view. Um, I also don't agree with it from LSU's point of view. Uh, I think he was the the prized possession in the in the LSU lock in in the LSU quarterback room outside of Jaden Daniels, but you know it, it is what it is. Um, LSU still has plenty of talent in, in their quarterback room because you know you look at it, go back to you know five years ago. Oh, LSU needs better quarterbacks. They went through that stretch where it was you know. Zach Mettenberger. Zach Mettenberger. Danny Danny Etling. LSU needs a better quarterback. LSU's got to get a better quarterback. And then Joe Burrow came in. Everybody's like, oh my God, Joe Burrow. And then after that, it it dipped down again because you went to Max Johnson. And then you went to... I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Actually, there was nobody in between. It was Max Johnson. But, you know, you you... And now you look at LSU's quarterback room and there's an excess. And so now that's a good problem to have. However, it's still a problem. Um, so the the way that probably happened is obviously Jane Daniels is going to start because he's coming back for his senior season after the year that he just had for LSU. 
Garrett Nussmeyer probably feels like he's the future. As, feels like he feels like he's going to be the guy to take over in 2024. As do the LSU coaches, it would appear, uh, because if if they felt the Walker Howard was the future, they probably would have done everything in their power to keep Walker and Baton Rouge. So it's it's interesting because if you're Walker Howard and you were a five star recruit, right, one of the top quarterbacks and top players for that 2022 recruiting yeah. class, you being that high and you in 2022 and 2023 having to wait till your third year to finally kind of really actually see the field feels like too much time. Correct. Oh, it's way, it's way too much time. So with Garrett Nussmeyer and Jane Daniels both coming back and being the guys for the next couple of years, you being Walker Howard, to me, it makes a lot of sense to get out of there. Yeah. Even though you want to be there. Even though Brian Kelly wanted you from the jump, it, it makes a lot of sense from your end to be like, you, for sure. you need to go to a place that's still going to be a good top-tier program. A lot of people believe it's TCU, and I could very easily see it. However, there's another program that people aren't talking about that both of us agree with that you shouldn't be sleeping on, and that's the Florida Gators. Remember who their head coach is? Billy Napier? You know, former Louisiana Raging Cajuns head coach for the previous four years before this one? He was a guy that was really looking at Walker Howard. Both in Lafayette, he got a good first glimpse of what Walker could do with those STM Cougars. So don't be surprised if Florida really comes into the mix. Yeah, and and, and you know, I, it obviously Florida makes a lot of sense for for a few reasons. Uh, number one, like you said, Billy Napier, Anthony Richardson going to the NFL draft. You stay in the SEC. And the other quarterback is uh, kind of has his own issues with other stuff. Jaden Rashada, yeah, you know, Rashada's interesting because four-star recruit. God, I say interesting a lot. I just realized that uh, four-star recruit seemed super high on, on going to Florida, and then has been kind of flaky for the last two weeks. You know, doesn't doesn't enroll for the spring semester like many people thought that he would. Uh, took a very long time to sign his national letter of intent. When he got interviewed at the All American game, he seemed to kind of beat around the bush of where he was going to play. And now there's rumors that he's requested out of his NLI which is a nightmare scenario for the Florida Gators. Does Walker Howard fix that? Maybe. Uh, you know, you got Graham Mertz to, to transfer out of, out of Wisconsin. I don't know that that's a, a great option for you. He was okay in the Big Ten, but Big Ten SEC is completely different ball. So how does Graham Mertz's game translate into the SEC? And not just the SEC, the SEC East, where outside of Georgia, it's wide open. Florida can get a win over Georgia and do well in the rest of their conference games. I mean, they might be playing in Atlanta for an SEC title this year. Who knows? Uh, so it's just it's one of those things where you kind of got to weigh your options. We'll, and we'll get back to it in a second. I'll explain why I, I think TCU is a better fit for Walker. Let's go to the game hotline. Martin, what's up? 
What's going on, my buddy? How are you? Yeah, oh, doing good. Uh, now, you kind of took the words out of my mouth now. Uh, I think also uh, Florida could be uh, a dark horse in the, in the running for um, Walker Howard, you know, because another thing to think about about that, how awesome would it be for him to say I was part of the team that, you know, if, if he does go over there, you know, and they do amazing next year, and, he, you know, they, they beat Georgia, you know, and they can say, well, we were the team that, you know, kind of stopped them from winning three three in a row, you know what I'm saying? And, I mean, he gets to play in the swamp, you know. But uh, but like I was saying last night, if he doesn't want to win a national championship, by all means, go to TCU because, yes, TCU got in this year. Yes, they, they, they deserve it because they beat Michigan. But in my opinion, I think it's going to be a, while, a long time, if ever, they get back to the national championship game, you know, if not the playoffs, you know, with the, with the 12, you know, the with the playoff expanding and everything, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, also I think Georgia can be a, a dark horse and all this, but I absolutely do, do not want to see him go to Georgia, you know, because, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I just don't want to have to deal with him with, with playing him in the SEC championship, you know, with Bama. But uh, I don't know. Uh, I think it all depends on what he wants. I mean, do you want to win a national championship? You go to a big, uh, uh, a big school in the SEC. You know, whether that be Alabama, you know, Florida, and another team to keep in mind is Tennessee. You know, Josh Heupel is an offensive mind guru and. Who's to say that he don't go to uh, Tennessee and, uh, you know, um, Jack Bess plays a year at TCU and says, well, uh, this is not for me. And he is the transfer portal next season and goes to um, to Tennessee and they, 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 they hook up in Tennessee. I don't know. But that's just my thoughts on the whole situation. I appreciate y'all taking my call. Thank appreciate you. you, Martin. Yeah. You know, I, he he might look at Georgia, he might look at Tennessee, but I, I don't think that – now, I mean, I could be wrong. It's just that you haven't heard those those spots get mentioned. TCU makes a lot of sense right now for Walker. Jack, Jack Besh is there, so he has a relationship dating back to elementary school with one of his receivers. Uh, TCU needs a quarterback. It is a offense that I believe fits Walker's style. You have a great head coach in Sonny Dykes. You're in a good conference in the Big 12. And, oh yeah, they played for a national title. Granted, they lost 65-7. to But you still played for a national title. The fact that you got that experience early on it's success. And you know what success does? Sure, they got destroyed in the title game, like I mentioned. But, but how many people actually saw them get that far? You, you think you think recruiting numbers aren't going to go up? You think revenue dollars aren't going to go up? I mean, just getting to the national championship game is a, a huge step up for college football programs. No matter whether TCU won that game against Georgia or not, they won no matter what. Absolutely. 
you are winning. Recruits are going to file in. Revenue money is going to file in. NIL money is going to file in. And, I mean, come on. Dallas-Fort Worth area is a great place to be. Let's go to the hotline. T, what's up? Hey, what's up, man? How are you, sir? Yes, sir, always. All right, buddy. Uh, Well, first of all, I want to, you know, wish him luck wherever he goes, Walker. I mean, he's from Lafayette. He's from good family and everything. So want to wish him luck. But here's my thing. Uh, how good do you, do you think Jaden Daniels is? Overall, I think he's slightly above average. Um, his downfall is the fact that he can't throw a deep ball. Okay. So here's my question. If Walker Howard thinks he can't beat out Jaden Daniels, why would he stay in the SEC? Well, the the reason that he's not going to beat out Jaden Daniels is because of what Jaden Daniels did for you this past year. I, I don't I don't see well, I don't, well, Garrett Garrett, Nuss, Garrett Nussmeyer's I mean <laughs> Garrett Nussmeyer's not going to bench Jaden Daniels. All right. Well, uh, I see it differently, but I wish him luck. And uh, I think we'll be okay if Nuss stays. Well, that that's the thing now. Garrett Nussmeyer has to stay. You have to do everything in your power to keep him in Baton Rouge now. Because no if, if you if you lose him too, I mean, I, I like the recruits that they've got coming in, but you're going to be in trouble for next year. No doubt. I guess they'd have to hit the portal. Yeah, absolutely. You absolutely would. You know? You absolutely would. All right, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Y'all have a good day. Appreciate the call, T. Yeah, now look, I I know that it is one of those things where, you know, I believe that the best player should play no matter what the scenario is. But the thing is, at the end of the day, most coaches are, are, are going to give a large step to seniority. And looking at what they did the previous year. Jaden Daniels' job is safe. Unless he gets hurt or just absolutely stinks it up in the spring. His job's safe. I mean, that's just that's just the way it is. Um Walker Howard could be on a on a golden pedestal, but he'd have to wait. It's just how it works. You think Arch Manning's going into Austin and benching Quinn Ewers? Obviously, it could happen, but I don't see it. You think somebody's walking into Columbus and benching C.J. Stroud? No. Caleb Williams? No. So, I mean, it's just it's just how it is. Um, but no, yeah, TCU just makes a lot of sense. But one thing that could change things for, for that situation is this tweet from Ross Dellinger. Clemson, who has fired their OC Brandon Streeter earlier today, is targeting TCU offensive coordinator and reigning Broyles Award winner Garrett Riley, brother of Lincoln Riley, as its next offensive coordinator. The deal is not finalized, but it would be a whopping hire for Dabo Sweeney and the Tigers. So if there's no Garrett Riley in Fort Worth... Things could could be interesting for, for the TCU Horned Frogs. We'll take a time out here on Crunch Time, and when we return, we will talk 
the New Orleans Saints, and where do they go in, in terms of quarterbacks for 2023? And we'll talk why each option makes sense. Here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. A shot to left field. Going back on its Gordon. He'll look up at the corner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 442 on your Thursday. God, that Garrett, that Garrett Riley news is is heating up already. Ross Dellinger tweeting out during the commercial break just now that according to sources, Garrett Riley is on a plane headed to Clemson tonight. And that the Clemson Board of Directors has a meeting scheduled for 305 tomorrow afternoon to approve an assistant coach's contract. And Sports Illustrated heavily believes that it is the contract of Garrett Riley. What a massive turn of events for the Clemson Tigers. Dabo Sweeney, not playing around? I mean, you know what he said a couple weeks ago? that They've, they've been in the NIL business for, for a long time. I, I, I'm not even sure... You know, Clemson is one of those schools where they dip down over the last year or so. And, and DJU obviously transferring to, to Oregon State. You're going to go with Cade Klubnick at quarterback more than likely. But what I'm wondering, James, we, we talk about Walker Howard going to TCU. How much did Garrett Riley play into that? Is Walker sitting there going, oh, you know, I like Garrett Riley's offense. Maybe I could fit in there. But now if Garrett Riley goes to Clemson. Maybe he stays a Tiger, just different colors. Could Clemson be an option? Because, yes, it is believed that Cade Klubnick's going to be the guy in Clemson. But what if he's not? What if Garrett Riley comes in and looks at Dabo and says, Dabo, I don't think this kid's that good. I think we could have somebody that's better. Interesting. Uh, wow. Lincoln Riley Jr. in Clemson. Fantastic. All right, New Orleans Saints. They need a quarterback. Uh, uh, you know, you're, you're going to have to figure out what you're going to do there because the only two quarterbacks under contract right now you ready for this? You ready for this? Jameis Winston. Yes. And Jake Luton. Mm-hmm. Two now, premier quarterbacks. Now I know that 75% of people are sitting there going, who the hell is Jake Luton? Who was who, who he? Where did he come from? Luton played his college ball at... You know what's interesting about Jake? Oregon State. Got the same birthday. Y'all do have the same birthday, April 11th. Good good, good looking out, bud. He's older than you, though. So yeah, He's four years older. That's a, that, that's a shame. Maybe, maybe you could be an NFL quarterback if you were the right age. I'd rather be a receiver, but, you know, whatever. This guy. 
this guy doesn't want to make $40 million a year. So Luton played his college ball at Oregon State and Idaho, was drafted by the Jags in 2020, and has since played with the Jags, two stints with the Seahawks, and spent most of this year with the New Orleans Saints on the practice squad. He was drafted in the sixth round in 2020. He has started three games in his NFL career. He is 0-3. He has thrown for 624 yards, two touchdowns, and six interceptions. So right now, that's the two quarterbacks. James Winston, who, if you ask me right now, is probably going to ask to opt out of, of that final year. And Jake Luton. So what do you do? You can draft somebody. There's there's several QBs in this draft class. You can draft somebody. You could go the route of signing a free agent. Maybe a Jim Garoppolo. Maybe a Derek Carr. Now look, a- Andy Dalton, I'm okay with bringing Andy Dalton back as a backup which was the intended reason that he joined the New Orleans Saints. If you want to bring him back as a guy, look, you know, he's had a great career. He's been around the block. He can help you. Sure. Bring back Andy Dalton. All you want. As a backup. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. The the, the guy's had a great career. You, You can't argue that. The guy's had a really good career in the NFL. He's been to three Pro Bowls. He led Cincinnati back to the playoffs for the first time in a long time. Like and he, he did it over multiple years. He, he, he did a lot of good things in the league. And he could help mentor a Correct. young QB. Correct. I don't want him playing, though. I don't. So I want him to be an, like an absolute emergency three. So if I'm the Saints, this is what I do. I signed Jimmy G to a one-year deal. Okay. I draft a quarterback. Second, third round. Maybe a Hendon Hooker who's going to miss most of the season with an injury. Or you sit him and have him be the three the whole time. Maybe a Stetson Bennett. Or, you know, somebody who's got pro potential. And you tell them, you, you, you see that seat over there at the end of the bench? Yeah, you take it. Here's your playbook, here's your tablet, watch and learn. Garoppolo plays for a year. Whether he does great, whether he does terribly, don't know. And then after that full season of your rookie sitting and learning the offense and and learning the way the NFL kind of operates, then you play him. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, you try again. Because I, I don't know that there's a better route for the Saints right now. I mean, you could try Derek Carr, but that's going to command a lot of money. Derek Carr is going to command somewhere between 20 and $25 million a year, if I had to guess. And I'd probably say if he's going out in free agency on his own. Correct. I think he'd, I think he'd command teens. I'm, you you I, think, I think Derek Carr I think would take it, teens? I think he'd take 16 on a one-year deal. 
Wow. To, to prove they still does it. Yeah. Interesting. I think I think him and Jimmy would command about the same amount. I would lean towards Jimmy because he's got the better playoff experience and we've seen him go farther. Whether that was because of him or in spite of him, that's your up to your debate. But I think I would lean towards Garoppolo because we've actually seen him make deep playoff runs as opposed to Derek Carr. You see, I I think I think Derek Carr is a little full of himself and he would he he would still be somewhere in the twenties. That's just me. Uh, it now don't get me wrong, Derek Carr has done some good things in the league as well. He's completed sixty five percent of his passes for his career. He has a solid touchdown to interception ratio, two to one. In fact, two hundred seventeen touchdowns to ninety nine interceptions in in his in his career. And that's a very good touchdown to interception ratio. But he's got a losing record as a quarterback. He has very little playoff experience. And John Gruden broke him mentally. Broke him. Now, can he be fixed? Maybe. Probably. But the question there is, are the Saints... Are the 2023 New Orleans Saints the team to fix him? And I just don't think that they are. Right now, I don't think that the Saints situation lines up with what Derek Carr needs to get back on track in his career. I just don't think it would work. So sign Jimmy G, draft a rookie, figure it out. Take a timeout, wrap up hour number one after this here on the game. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time 454 right now. About to wrap up hour number one, but I do got to tell you that football fans, Call your own plays during the NFL playoffs with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because when you bet on NFL same-game parlays from now until January 16th, only got four more dates. All customers can get $100 in free bets, win or lose. All you have to do is place a bet of $20 or more on NFL same-game parlays or same-game parlay plus bets during NFL wildcard rounds. The more you bet, the more you'll get back in free bets. NFL same-game parlays are the perfect way to combine your bets for a chance at a larger payday. I'm going to take Josh Allen to throw at least two touchdown passes, a Stephon Diggs anytime touchdown, and the Bills to just straight-up win with the money line. Build your own or choose from one of our popular same-game parlays pre-built for you in FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. New to FanDuel Sportsbook, you can also get $100 in free bets, win or lose, when signing up with promo code KLWB. That's promo code KLWB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. Bonus issued is nominal drop with free bets that expire seven days after the receipt. Max free bet is $100. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Looking at some top stories, Lamar Jackson not expected to play this Sunday against the Bengals. And I'm wondering at this point, does he play in a Ravens uniform again? Good question. You just paid Roquan Smith. You just 
the the NFL stadium got a new deal before Lamar, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson wants to come to New Orleans. You can make it work. I think you could. If you if you really wanted to, you can make it work, but there are going to be quite gonna a few be sacrifices. There's going to be some consequences. There are going to be some um, sacrifices. The Patriots likely to make changes to their offensive staff? You don't say. Shocker there. Matt Patricia and Joe Judge as co-offensive coordinators didn't work. A DC and an, a special teamer, special teams coach, both wow. handling the offense. Weird. Wow. I color me shocked. Because man, I I swore that would have been the top duo in the NFL. So you're telling me halfback and wide receiver screens and halfback dives don't work all the time? And and thirty yard lateral plays when the game's tied? No. Our number one in the books. Our number two. We're gonna kick it off with Jake Madison of Locked On Pelicans right here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's our number two of Crunch Time here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion. Houston Astros, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. In our number one, we talked about LSU. We talked about the Saints and where do they go for a quarterback. We also talked on the Pelicans game just a little bit. We're about to do that a little bit more with Jake Madison. As a reminder, poll question of the day is up on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Who will play quarterback for the Saints in 2023? Is it Andy Dalton? Is it Derek Carr? Is it Jimmy Garoppolo? Or is it somebody else? Uh, Get those votes in. Get those comments in. We'll hit them in the last segment. As we do get off at 5.30 today, because of LSU women's basketball tipping off at 6 from Columbia, Missouri, as they put their undefeated record on the line against the Missouri Tigers up in Columbia. So we'll do that at 5.30 with Patrick Wright in in Columbia. Let's go to the game hotline now. Jake Madison, host of Locked on Pelicans, joins us on the hotline. Jake, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. So, you know, Pelicans last night falling 125 to 114 to the Boston Celtics. Look, it's one of those things, Jake, where when you go into a place like TD Garden and you play the best team in the NBA and you only lose by 11, I'm not a fan of moral victories, but the Pelicans played well last night. Yeah, I don't think there's too much to complain about with this team in that loss to the Boston Celtics. Again, it's the best team, as you mentioned, in the NBA right now. They've been really good. This is the finals team from last year, too. They kept virtually everybody and then added a few key pieces over the summer as well. So for them to remain competitive without Zion Williamson, without Brandon Ingram, that's 47 points. That's in street clothes right there. You have to feel pretty good about it. You know, one of the things you've seen from this Pelicans team all season long is kind of the net, that next-man-up mentality. Guys ready to go to kind of elevate their scoring 
or elevate their play. You saw C.J. McCollum play like an all-star in that game last night. The problem was he just couldn't get enough help. And while other guys did step up, you had Najee Marshall with, I think, 18 in that game. He's been a key piece for New Orleans recently. It was very clear they're just missing their best players right now. And with those guys out there on the court, this is an entirely different game and one that the Pelicans might have been able to win. So you have to give them a lot of credit for fighting. Um, you know, it is a moral victory. You can look at it kind of from a sense of glass half full. Unfortunately, that doesn't count towards the standings. But they've been lucky that on this tough stretch they're on of their schedule right now without Zion and Brandon Ingram, the rest of the Western Conference isn't really kind of creating any separation from them, and they've been able to remain steadily as the third-best team in the Western Conference. So overall, you know, things are actually going okay for New Orleans in the meantime. You know, you talked about C.J. McCollum, 38 points uh, on 6 of 12 from beyond the arc. He's starting to become a, a very consistent scorer for the Pelicans, which earlier this season and even in the playoffs last year uh, really really was just a streaky player for, for the Pelicans. Talk about C.J., what you've seen from him over the last couple of weeks, and, and how he can continue it down the stretch. Yeah, I actually just did a show on this. On, on Locked on Pelicans, the whole episode kind of devoted to how he could make the All-Star game because he's played that well recently. He got off to a rough start to this year. He was dealing with illnesses. He got COVID, I believe, at one point. You know, he's a newborn, too, that's only a year old, so that's probably keeping him up at night a little bit as well. And this is a guy that just really needed to kind of find his legs, find his conditioning, and get his legs under him. And once he has, he's been really good, and he's filled a variety of roles, too. There's games where they ask him to be like a pure point guard, and he's dishing out eight, nine assists during those times. There's other times, like last night, when he's asked to be the number one scoring option. You see him go for 38 points and to step up. And when you look at his numbers over the past now 17 games, he's scoring more points per game than a guy like John Morant and Clay Thompson. He's dishing out more assists than you know some of the other players out there that have been in the running for some of these other all-star spots. He's really been very, very good, and he's been shooting exceptionally well. Over the past 17 games, he's closer to 50% from three on over eight attempts per game. This is a guy who's making almost four three-pointers per game for New Orleans. For a team that doesn't shoot a lot of threes, having a guy that's able to step up like that I think is really key for them. That bodes well when Zion Williamson does return to have another shooter out there that's a little bit more consistent than other guys on the roster and that's capable of taking over games. He, he's been just flat-out good. You know, the Pelicans have won when he's out there on the court, too. That's a really important thing. He's going to be a guy. I don't know if he's going to make the All-Star game, but he's going to come really close, I think. Now, you know, another guy that you talk about was Najee Marshall, who, who really stepped up in a big way last night, 6 of 15 from the field for 18.7 rebounds as well. And then, you know, Dyson Daniels is a guy who – has kind of been over underwhelming on the offensive side of things, but defensive and and just being a, a great role guard for for this team. He's he's really been impressive in his rookie year. Yeah, you know, I thought he's he's done a good job with with passing the ball and moving the rock around, and he's been very very good defensively. It usually takes rookies about three years to make an impact on the defensive side of the ball in the NBA, and he's doing it. You know, less than half of his rookie season in, which I think tells you why he was drafted eighth overall and what the Pelicans were hoping for him. He hasn't figured it out in terms of scoring just yet. You can see he's a little bit tentative at the rim. He'd rather pass than shoot, though he's shooting pretty well from three, just not on high volume. But you can see why he was taken eighth overall, and he very clearly has 
a bright future. You know, as for Najee Marshall, you could almost make the the argument that he's been, you know, an MVP for the team this season. This is a guy that's, you know, struggled last season, really stepped up this year, and has had a couple of games where he set a career high in points per game, and he's at about one or two games that he's more or less won by himself for New Orleans, and to have guys that are capable of stepping up, that can go out and just do the things that need to be done. He defends it at above average rate. He's been shooting the ball from three really well, and he gives you an element offensively of that aggression that no one else truly has outside of Zion in, in um, C.J. McCollum. To see him attack and go downhill like he does, to try and put pressure on the rim, force defense to rotate and things like that, you know, I think he's a guy that New Orleans has really needed. They don't quite have that, and it's been great that Najee Marshall has stepped up to provide that. You know, Jake, we're, we're looking at the, the season so far, sitting here January 12th. You're about four weeks away from the trade deadline. Uh, are, are there any conversations of, of potential moves that the Pelicans are either looking to make or, or players that they're looking to maybe get rid of? Yeah, you know, I, I think they'd like to try and consolidate their roster a little bit. You know, right now they're kind of maxed out on roster spots, so they can't kind of do anything when it comes to signing guys on 10-day deals, which could give you a little bit more depth, find and see if someone might work out there on the court. You know, I think they'd like to upgrade some of those end-of-bench minutes. You had a guy like Devontae Graham, who has shined at times this year, but also hasn't given you a ton over the past two months or so of the season. So you could get some, you know, more quality minutes from that kind of role, your 10th, 11th guy off the bench, I think would be good for New Orleans. And I do think think, especially with injuries to Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson, and we don't know when they're coming back yet, adding another scorer to this team could be really good. You know, when you look at this Boston game, no one else went over 20 points for New Orleans outside of CJ. They could have used another guy that's capable of getting his own shot off, being able to go and score, especially if he's a shooter. So adding a guy like a Malik Beasley from the Utah Jazz could be a good fit. You could look at Boyan Bogdanovich from the Detroit Pistons, a guy I'm sure they would love to move that doesn't really fit their timeline. Someone that can go out and just get you buckets, to be perfectly honest. I think is the type of player they really could use. Jackson Hayes has stepped up admirably, I think, in kind of a third, fourth big man role, giving him a little bit more defense than we were expecting. They might want to upgrade that position as well, but I think they would be okay rolling with Jackson Hayes for the foreseeable future. But I think those are the two areas they're really looking to try and improve right now. Now, Jake, looking at the last seven games, the Pels have lost five of those, but it was against some tough opponents like the Mavs, Celtics, Nets, Sixers, and Grizzlies. Do you attribute that more to them playing the tough opponents or the fact that the Pels just haven't had B.I. and Zion for an extended period of time and it's starting to catch up to them? I mean, I think it's both, right? You know, if you're going up against good teams and you're missing your best players, it's certainly going to be harder to win. And I think that's kind of what New Orleans is dealing with right now. As you look at them on this five-game road trip that they're on, it's done over 10 days, so it's a lot of games. You know, if they can come out of this two and three, I think you're pretty happy with that, with wins over the Washington Wizards the other night, and then this game tomorrow on Friday against the Detroit Pistons. You know, if you if you get those two wins, you go two and three on that, I think that's a successful road trip. I think the goal for New Orleans right now is really just to kind of tread water until you get one of Zion or Brandon Ingram back, and I don't know when either of them are coming back. I think Zion's going to be out longer than the three weeks they had originally said. 
Who knows with Brandon Ingram now, who's missed something like 22, 23 straight games with this toe injury. You know, if you can just kind of hover around 500 during the stretch, not really fall much in the standings, maybe get a little bit of help from other teams of the Western Conference underperforming, which is happening so far, New Orleans would take that. So it's a combination of just tough stretch of schedule and not having your best players, and that's always going to make it harder to win in the NBA. Jake, looking ahead to tomorrow night, they're going to be in Detroit taking on the Pistons, a, a team without their former number one overall pick in Cade Cunningham. What's the matchup like, and what are your thoughts on this matchup between the Pistons and the Pelicans? Yeah, you know, you don't want to take Detroit lightly. They only have 12 wins, but they're a team that just went out and, and got a big one, and they're capable of surprising some teams. They smoked the Minnesota Timberwolves the other night. They have guys that can still go out and score, and guys that want to kind of prove they belong and that they're fighting for the future in the NBA. You know, so you still have Boyan Bogdanovich, a guy who I just said could be a good trade target for New Orleans, who's leading them in points per game. They have young players in Jaden Ivey, the fourth overall pick, that's trying to kind of make a name for himself. So it's one of those things that you just really got to go in with the right level of intensity and energy like they figured out against the Washington Wizards after going down 10 nothing. If they play like that, they should be okay. This is one, though, that New Orleans can't play down to their opponent because guys like Ivy, Killian Hayes, some of the others there are really going to surprise this team then, and they might end up with a loss. And when they played last time in New Orleans, it was, I think, a little bit closer than people were expecting at times. So this is a team you've got to take very seriously, and I hope that New Orleans mentally is right there for it. Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast, joining us here on Crunch Time. Jake, appreciate you as always. Great insight on the Pels, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon, my friend. Of course, thanks for having me on, you guys. And there he goes, Jake Madison, the host of the Locked On Pels. Poll question of the day, who would you rather as the starting quarterback for the Saints in 2023? So far, 42% of you say Derek Carr, 27% say Jimmy Garoppolo, and we got a couple new comments. Ton says, none of the above, honestly. Though Jimmy G is the shiniest trash of the three listed. He has postseason experience slash success. That said, I'd rather them draft a quarterback, run it back with Winston, until said quarterback has developed and in a few years compete for a Super Bowl. If only it were that simple, right? Look, I'd, I'd love to run it back with Jameis. I don't think Jameis wants to be here. I think after the way things were handled by Dennis Allen and his coaching staff this season, where, you know, Jameis had the impression that he wouldn't lose his job because of injury, and then he lost his job because of injury, I, I don't think Jameis appreciated that too much. And, uh, I mean, again, would love to see him come back. I think that would be the best-case scenario for the Saints in 2023. I just don't know if it's a likely one at this point. It just doesn't feel likely to, to me. Uh, I, I think the relationship is broken beyond repair, and, and Jameis just wants to go somewhere else. I think it could still be mended because even when you watch on the sideline, if you watch Jameis Winston at all, he gets excited every time there's a big play by the Saints, whether it's on offense or defense. So I don't necessarily say – I don't necessarily think that he is ready to get out of New Orleans as soon as possible. But I do think Dennis Allen, he's going to have to come have a come-to-Jesus meeting with Jameis to like try and repair that because initially in the season, he was all for Jameis being the quarterback. And then after that week three performance, when it was like, okay, this injury is kind of having too much of a toll on your play. We're going to have to bench you until you get back. But then after that, they just never went back to him, even though he was probably as healthy as he could be. 
Correct. At a certain point in the season, he just never went back to him and always went with Andy, even when it didn't matter against that Panthers game. Could have started him and just been like, oh, let's, let's just see what you look like. Because you still have another year with us. You still have another year with the Saints. You might as well try it. See see what he looks you like. Would, you would think. You would think. I'd, again. But, I mean, there's a lot going on in that organization that we just don't know about. And it's going to be interesting to see. I would love to have Jameis back. I'm still a believer that he can do something in this league and be a successful quarterback. At this point, it being with the Saints, I don't know. It, it does. It feels pretty murky at this point. Before we take a timeout, breaking news from LSU. Texas edge rusher Ovi Agufo has transferred into the Tigers football program, the school announced earlier today. Agufo started his career playing for Brian Kelly at Notre Dame before transferring to Texas. He has one year of eligibility remaining and provides experienced depth, experienced depth excuse me, at the edge rusher position. So pretty big get. Which you can really use since you're going to be losing a couple pieces. Yeah, I mean, you're going to lose B.J. Ojolari. And Ali Gay. And Ali Gay. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's huge. Huge depth right there for, for LSU. Uh, and then a guy that's already experienced with Brian Kelly, even bigger. That's absolutely imperative. Tune in tonight as the undefeated LSU women's basketball team travels to take on Missouri. Pre-game begins at 5.30 here in about 10 minutes and tip-off is set for 6. Listen to all the action right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We'll take a time out, wrap up today's show on the other side, right here on The Game, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back for the final time of this Thursday edition of Crunch Time. Do I remind you that NFL Wildcard Weekend is here, and the easiest way to get into the playoffs is with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers can join today and get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up with promo code KLWB. FanDuel is all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. You can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. I'll take an over on Tom Brady's passing yards, a Rashad White anytime touchdown, and then a Mike Evans anytime touchdown. It's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet and get $150 in free bets, win or lose, with promo code KLWB. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non withdrawable free bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. I really struggle with the word restrictions. 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 I'm, I'm trying. Say it again. Restrictions. Restrictions. There you go. There you go. You're getting it. We're tricking. We're tricking. Bravo, James. There's that high IQ coming into play. The re- right 145, baby. Uh, I don't believe that, <laughs> but okay. 
Hey man, the free online test said so. Not not saying you're not a smart person, but 145 is like bro. I'm a genius. You just don't know it through the roof. But anyways, I just I just show it in a weird way. Okay, moving on. Uh, as you as you can see from the Super Bowl prediction that I made. <laughs> okay, per the 49ers beat writer for the Athletic. Okay, defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryan's. Has received interview requests. Oh, he's been receiving a lot of those. From Denver, Houston, Carolina, and Arizona. So the only team that has requested to interview him that hasn't requested to interview Sean Payton is Carolina. You think they know better? Here's the thing with that. I think Carolina, you might as well. Reach out. It just hasn't been made public. And, and maybe that's the case, but do you really think the Saints are going to trade him to Carolina? No, but here's the thing as a GM. What's the worst that they could say? No, and then hang up? I, I guess. Like, yeah. like, I mean, if it's just not going to work, you might, it's, it's kinda, you might as well just go ask. It's probably not going to happen, but it doesn't hurt to just see where the Saints are because it's like if they're like, well, for you, it would be three first round picks, two second round picks, cash, and then like some other picks as day three picks. And then at that point, you just be like, all right, well, that's fine. Uh, we're good. But it doesn't hurt to see. And that's why it was probably like a quick phone call. Like, hey, I'm just curious. Uh, what would be your initial? What What's your starting price? <laughs> what, what are you looking at initially? When it comes to uh, big old SP, right, and and they're like, okay, well, we want this, 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 and this. Two, if it's if it's coming from Carolina, I want three firsts because that's the only way I'm trading him within the division. Well, correct. If if it, if I got to see him twice a year, yeah, I, I want a lot. I want a substantial I want, more compensation I want, than other teams would. I want three first round picks and David Putney because I feel like it. Mm-hmm. Love me some David Putney. That's what I want. And I feel like it, and it, it's just a different world that we live in. It, it right now is a different world than the world we lived in 15 seconds ago. You pancake eating guy, person, human guy, bro, dude, man. Okay, so we talked about Derek Carr. Yes, we've talked about Andy Dalton, and we talked about Jimmy nauseum. G. We've talked about Jimmy G. We've got about four minutes left of today's show. Let's quickly talk about. Drafting. You know, what quarterbacks in this draft class could make sense for the Saints if they hold on, assuming they hold on to, Dennis Allen? You know, you you look at it, obviously there's Bryce Young. I don't think the Saints have a chance to get Bryce Young. Then you go to C.J. Stroud. I don't think that the Saints have an opportunity to get C.J. Stroud either. Next is Will Levis. Will Levis also feels like a guy that's a little... It depends. It depends. If you get Houston's pick, maybe. You maybe have a chance. Maybe. The first guy that makes realistic sense for the Saints is Anthony Richardson. Is Anthony Richardson. And I don't want him. I haven't, I haven't seen a whole bunch for me to be like, yeah, this is the guy that I want. Now, a name that I have heard that a lot of people have thrown around is Tanner McKee. 
from Stanford. Yep. Now, you look at Tanner McKee. His first year at Stanford, he only played in one game and threw seven passes, so it didn't really do a whole lot. But then you look at his next two years at Stanford. He threw for 23 and then 2,900 yards, 15 touchdowns and then 13 touchdowns, seven interceptions and then eight interceptions. Now, granted, Stanford wasn't very good while he was their quarterback, but he's got a good arm. He completes well over 60% of his passes. He gets about 240 yards per game. Tanner McKee makes sense for the Saints in terms of the offense that they run. Short passes, spread the field, be smart with the football. Tanner McKee makes sense. Now, he's not this you know, splash draftee that everybody's like, oh, you know, you got the big guy. Like a Max Duggan or Spencer Rattler would be, name-wise. he could work. Now, Spencer Rattler's another guy that makes sense. But if, if you're me, one guy you got to watch in, in this draft class, and, and we'll close with this. You've seen what Lamar Jackson has done in the NFL. He's made a name for himself. He's kind of changed the quarterback position. DTR. Not only do you, maybe. You're not a big fan of Dorian? I am, but I don't know how well his game's going to transition to the NFL. I mean, he reminds me a lot of Jalen and Lamar and the guys that are starting to really make a name for themselves. Malik Cunningham. Hmm. Comes from the same system that Lamar ran in college. He's got a great arm. He runs the ball very well. You could get him in the third round, probably. It makes a lot of sense for the Saints. We'll talk about it more tomorrow on a Friday fun show. I want to thank Jake Madison for taking the time to join us today. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe. Be well. Hug your mom and them. LSU women's basketball is next from Columbia, Missouri, right here on the game. It's 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Let's turn it over to Patrick Wright with the call of LSU versus Missouri.